No, Jonathan did. Johnny O's Johnny O with the suspenders today. He's got the uh, beard coming back, looking like the world world uh, famous car salesman again. Although I like that picture of you the other day. I saw where you're younger, man. You look like a, a hustler from Jersey or something. <laughs> what a volume issue here. We can hear you. Uh, you guys hear me? me good? You guys hear me fine? Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy, what's going on? I'm in Vegas, Johnny O. You coming or what? <laughs> Don't threaten me with a good time, brother. <laughs> Is this a business trip or personal trip, Josh? Personal trip. Nice. Yeah. Much deserved. Yeah, man. Seriously. It's funny because uh, you know I I literally work every single day, but um, this month you know I, I'm doing this, and then next month. I'm taking my son to Florida for that football deal. And then in August, uh, we're going to Maui. Um, and that's for a, a trip that the dealership won me. So another humbling experience there. But good stuff. Awesome. Josh, what do you think of that room stuff? Uh, yeah, I thought it was interesting. Um, but we actually have an intimate experience with room. Uh, LA and one of my other partners, was some um, beginning investors before it was called Vroom. It was uh, not Texas Direct. There was another company, Texas Direct. They're both out of Texas, obviously, selling like a thousand used cars a month. And then they bought Texas Direct, changed the name to Vroom. Um, and it was interesting. We went and toured one of their dealerships and and saw how they uh, sold and generated leads. And you know, obviously, they're on the kind of the forefront of this uh, remote buying experience. And they're selling thousand used cars a month doing it. It was, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, pretty impressive. So, and then the story that they were showing uh, lately, you know, is obviously, and so you can see the, for the crafts table, it's got a bunch of uh, plexiglass in between each player, but, uh, and this is, you know, obviously we know what the time is, uh, but usually uh, over the last couple of days, there, there's been three or four tables constantly that are like that. Um, you know, right now it's just the the one running, uh, but it's I haven't been able to get on a craps table for two days. Wow. Well, now you know the time to do it. It's five a.m. Well, no, that, I mean they're one they're running one table and they got a line. Uh, it's like three or four players waiting to get on. I'm gonna ask you to drop drop a couple bucks for me. See what happens. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm not a huge gambler, but so Josh um, or anyone, um, you know, did, do we know how many cars are actually selling right now uh, during the pandemic? Has anyone been able to find that? Uh, no. Because the story um, also shows how they had to lay off a bunch of people um, similar to everyone else, I guess. And uh, go ahead, Josh. Uh, I was just going to try a quick Google search. Did you find anything, Desi? I'm not uh, looking for anything. I'm just coming with my opinion. <laughs> That's I think That's it's, uh, you know, I, I see, I read quickly through the beginning of the last article, but, um, you know, the, the link that we're, we started with, because I had to look at it because I wasn't paying any attention to the room. It really made me think that 
I would think that that was something that you would be really interested in, you know, like see a need, fill a need. And like, what if, what if Pepsi was like, okay, there's already a Coke out there. They're already figuring it out. They're already selling what they're selling. Like it, I think it's good to stick out your neck and try something different because, and not, I know that they're basing um, this information that we're looking at around like pandemic numbers and things like that. But I think just in general, once people get to get a handle on it, um, it'll benefit the dealerships too, because then you can say, yeah, we can do that. We've always been able to do that. But I don't know. I just, I think, um, I think it's good. I think it's, it's good to take the leaves out there, you know, do something a little bit different just to see, you know, how it goes. Of course, I can say that because it's not my pocket, right? So um, it's just an interesting thought process for me to, to think about it as, um, you know, something to attempt. It's interesting. They, um, I'm reading their Wikipedia right now, and it talks about how they acquired Texas Direct, uh, which I did know that. And uh, Elway is one of the initial and leading investors. Um, so is AutoNation, which is interesting. Um, talks about Cascade Investments, Dan Gilbert. Um, wow. So some some people with some big money behind this. Um, what what uh, side note to the article, what I always found interesting with them was their uh, reconditioning process. And they've got an RFID chip in their cars, so they know exactly where their cars are throughout the entire reconditioning process. And they do everything in-house. They have a massive facility. They recondition it. They paint it. They dent interior. I mean, everything. It just goes through the steps. It's all process. And so they, uh, they too, though, you know, it's going to be interesting with the used car shortage that, uh, you know, everyone's been selling a lot more used because of the fact that new, new inventories have been, uh, especially for uh, the, like Toyota has been purged and, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be probably up and running at uh, capacity, not till August, uh, September. And uh, so, you know, dealerships are selling a lot more used cars if they have them. I know we yeah. talked about that, you know, last week a little bit, but uh, they also said in the article that, um, you know, basically they're not seeing the type of uptick that one would expect during a, a global pandemic where people can buy vehicles online. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I'd love for, um, you know, do you guys predict that um, in our lifetime that we'll see, um, maybe like a room actually, because they're, they're humongously, uh, they haven't made any pro profit, you know, since I think it was 2016 when they were accepted. And they're basically a tech company um, and in some ways where they uh, are crowdfunded, it seems, and have gotten a bunch of money um, invested into them. But uh, another company that makes no profit and uh, has seen sales dwindle and doesn't have the demand of, uh, customers that really want to buy a, a vehicle that way. Yeah, I think, and we all see this, right? Anybody who's in a dealership world, you see that people, if you have the right car, they'll track you down, right? If you're in Oregon, they'll track you down in Florida. If you've got that right car that has those weird couple options on it, because in auto trader or cars.com or car gurus, you just click the drop down and search nationally. 
Um, so I, I think you're always going to have some of that and you're always going to have some of those early adopters that want to be cutting edge, I guess, you know, and buy everything online and do that. But I think the vast majority of the people still enjoy the human interaction. And as long as the dealership world can, um, you know, maybe get out of some of our, our, our archaic ways, uh, I think people will, will like that and enjoy that. And if they have the opportunity to buy local, buy from somebody they know, that way if they have any problems on the road, then go knock on your door. You know, that's one of the big problems you see with all the Carvana reviews is people have problems and there's nobody to call and nobody to talk to. And, um, you know, it only takes that to happen one time and people are going to get frustrated. So if you've got the car, yeah, I think that's going to be it. And it, it, it isn't always the price. And we see that all the time. People will pay more for the right car or people will pay more for better service. You know, so I think as long as we can, in the automotive space, do that with our game, kind of up our game a little bit, I don't think there's going to be an issue. Uh, you know, there's always that novelty of buying something online, but I don't, uh, I don't, I don't see, I personally don't see some mass, you know, being like a 90% market penetration. I, don't, I just don't see it. So I guess my thought on this is like a couple, I missed the last episode, but you know, we were talking about Tesla as a company and never being able to be in the profit margins. And it was like, oh, but they're still, you know, like Tesla and that's great. And, you know, in, instead of take, talking about this replacing the traditional car buying experience, having it be another option for it. Like, unfortunately, they're going to try and capitalize on the things that are negative in the traditional car buying sense. But I think somebody's going to have had a bad experience in a car dealership, you know, as a salesperson, you deal with it all the time where people are like, I don't want to be there. I don't want to come in. Yeah. Yeah. I get it until you come in, until we have a conversation, you know, but um, once, once it is known that those other ways to buy a car, not necessarily this specific company, but even through a dealership, I think it will, I think it will have its place someday in our lifetime. I think the dealers that say no, come on in, just come on down those things. I think those are the ones that are going to lose. I think you can start the conversation off. However you want to do it, we'll do it. And if the customer's local, we're still going to try and get them in because it's in their best interest and our best interest to get them into the dealership. But if you immediately start off the conversation with, I'm not doing it your way, you have to do it my way, they're going to bounce and go to somebody who is going to do it their way. So I think there has to be a high level of flexibility from the dealership standpoint and I mean, I don't disagree, uh, Desi. You got to have some sort of online buying process, and it needs to be a process. Not, oh yeah, we did a car like that last month. I'm sure we could do it again, but an actual process, whether it's a shop click drive or a roadster or you know some sort of program like that. I think you have to have that because you don't want to alienate the people um, that, at a minimum, may want to start the transaction off that way. They may not finish that way, but at least you can give them the option to start the transaction off that way. Because I think. It's like 1% of the shoppers that start the transaction that way actually finish the transaction that way. So, but you don't want to alienate them by not at least offering that as a, as an opportunity for them. Well, then and that's Josh, where a good AI would come in, right? A good AI would be like, okay, here we are all the way in the process. Do you want somebody to call you? Do you want somebody to meet with you? You know, and, and keep asking that question so that if they do get frustrated and they want to get off of that, that, way of purchasing, you have somebody that can jump right in and then hopefully start taking them through their financing options. And most of the online buying programs out there kind of take them through steps and then it'll alert the dealership or the salesperson when the consumer jumps off 
And so as they go through the steps, it's collecting more and more data. First starts with the name and then phone number and then email and then address and then trade and then, and you know, and at some point the customer's going, okay, now I'm uncomfortably disaster from my social. So now I'm going to jump off. And then it gives the dealership the opportunity to engage. And Josh, how many dealers do you think maybe on a percentage wise, uh, because you're, you're probably involved with the most dealers by far out of, out of us, uh, <laughs> how, how many, um, are, are not, you know, offering, you know, a way to buy a vehicle in this manner. So, um, I would say, so now here's the problem. Like if you're a general motors dealer, they all have shop click drive, which technically is a way to buy a car online but I would say 10% of the dealers actually utilize the program, right? So you may have that program, but they don't actually use it. So I, I would say it's a very small percentage, 10 to 15% that not only have some way of doing it, but then also utilize it. You'll have some dealers that have it, but they just, no, 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 we're not doing that. You got to tell them to come down, you know? So they, even though they have the program, they're not using the program. They have it because the manufacturers force them to use it. Um, you know, but there are some other programs out there that are, that are really good. I know, um, you know, some third parties have started to do some things, but it's still such a small percentage, 10 to 15% maybe that have it and utilize it. That just blows me away, really. What kind of car did you get to drive in Vegas, Josh? You say what kind of car? My internet's getting a little spotty, so um, if I lose you guys, I'll switch over to my 5G, but um, I'm on the I'm on the house Wi-Fi right now. Did you ask me what kind of car I've been driving? Yeah, did you? You said you took a taxi, so maybe I, I got that wrong, but I'm always curious about what people get when they go on vacation to drive. Oh, yeah, so the car. taxi. Yeah, I don't rent a car ever um, in Vegas, but the taxi that picked us up was a Prius V, a Toyota Prius V. Josh, if we were to lose you, who who takes over as the host? I'm just kind of trying to figure out the. Uh, yeah, um, well, I'll have to. It'll just. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, you won't lose me ever, but um, I'll, I'll make sure I log right back in, and it'll just tell you that for wait for. Johnny, oh, you've been so quiet this morning. What do you think about all this? Yeah, like for, for me, I kind of I'm, and you know myself, I always take the uh, conservative side. I don't ever pretend to be an expert. But I, I myself, I, I feel like I would kind of maybe do at least explore the option a little bit differently of kind of um, going with the mold, right? Like, I, I don't know. Like, for me, I think you got to take the onus away from the online digital presence. I think you got to all of a sudden realign the focus on the customer experience. You know, start focusing on, well, what can we – as a dealership do that potentially an online service may not be able to like myself, I would strongly, I, I don't think you can get away from advertising on the internet, of course, but if I was a dealership, I would definitely entertain the idea of, of almost going back into the old school mode, you know, guess, you know, in, in aspects of, do we have to advertise our prices online? I play that game. Why even get into a battle of online car services? Listen, our mo our model is we will keep any price come on in, come to the dealership. Why not put the bait in the water, but not advertise what it costs to uh, catch the fish, right? Like, why not all of a sudden put the onus on 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 the consumer to explore that option by coming into the store? 
listen, we get it. There's tons of options out there. Tell you what, we're in the market of customer experience. You want the amazing one-on-one customer experience? Come into the store. Here's the car. Take a look. We're here for you. Believe me, believe it or not, you're going to have a way better experience meeting Mr. John Overton. He's an absolutely phenomenal salesperson that you won't get to meet online. We got the avatar of him coming out soon, but at this moment, your best option is to uh, come vi- come visit him in person. You know, I, I think one of the, the biggest, uh, you know, when you start talking about Amazon and you start talking about online uh, consumer purchasing and, and stuff like that, well, like grocery stores, one of the biggest mistakes I think they make making these online checkouts. Well, why why try to fit in with like now all of a sudden you're taking away from what you're able to provide that Amazon's not the customer experience. So if all of a sudden you build a relationship with your checkout clerk or, or have a good experience or like that personal connection, now you go into the store and you're using a machine and checking out. Now you lose that avenue of advantage that you would have held over um, an online purchasing store like Amazon because now there's no personal connection. You're just giving them the uh, the opportunity to kind of confine themselves into the on or to the automated kind of uh, um, purchasing experience. I, I don't know. For me, I think I always think you know when we talk about Mr. Trump, like presidency and stuff. How did he come into power? He ran the best platform of political excellence I've ever seen reality TV. Well, why don't we start featuring individuality and the personal connection and start changing our focus? Why do we buy in and try to, to implement things that, that are just constructively working against us? Like, why don't we start playing an avenue that, you know, that works in our advantage, like, you know, showcasing our salesman's characterness, you know, or characterization or, start advertising the personalities of our salespeople and and exploring the entertainment side of it and drawing people into the dealership based on on the avenue that these other companies don't have the luxury of doing what do we have we have an amazing facility we have an avenue we have a um i got a cat in front of me here we have an avenue um, <laughs> we have an avenue that that they don't we should set up a platform and advertise, you know, our salespeople, our inventory, our uh, wonderful landscape, whatever it may be. I think sometimes, you know, the best the best avenue to combat kind of new trending things is to separate yourself from them, right? And, and I think that the way a lot of our mindsets are is like, okay, well, they're doing this. We got to do this. Now we got to automate stuff. We got to uh, do online approvals. We got to do online. I would separate myself. I would get away from it. I wouldn't even put prices of cars online. I'd say, listen, you want to buy a car online and not have a personal awesome experience? <laughs> I'd be like, forget about it, man. Go buy your car. Go ahead. Go. You want a, a car salesman that's there for you 24 seven that you have a relationship with that will, you know, potentially maybe go have a, a, a meal with you after or whatever, or, or, you know, when you're in a bind, drop off a loaner car, or, you know, if you want that personal connection and that, that uh, star service, you better come in the store and meet this guy. Take a look though. We're not going to advertise the car price, but you might meet this guy. Look at what he's doing. He's doing a crazy walk around. He's kind of, you know, 
uh, advertising his personality and his uniqueness, this is something you might, you don't want to be a part of, right? You know, so supporting, uh, um, you know, personal business. Well, John, you know, I got to say, I think uh, before, before I let Josh go, um, I think that uh, probably every desk guy uh, across the nation would absolutely love you and love okay. hearing you. However, you know, most owners, I think, uh, would, you know, because they want to capture every customer, right? And, uh, you know, Josh, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yes. So first, before I jump in, I agree with half of all of that. Uh, I think that advertising (laughs) personalities and, you know, um, I think that, uh, you know, doing stuff differently and showing the humanization and who we are and how we do things different. I agree with that a hundred percent. And I think, um, you know, I, the dealerships that I see that do a really good job of that have either a full-time social media team or a full-time videographer and, and, uh, you know, that sort of thing. So I agree with that a thousand percent. However, if you, if you don't advertise price of cars, um, you can say I'm the best guy in the world, but consumers don't trust us right from the beginning. So they're immediately going to go, eh, I'm not sure if you're actually the best guy in the world, but you didn't give me the price. And all I want to know is the price. And the dealers that I've seen that don't advertise price on used cars, because there's still some people that do that, or that advertise just MSRP on new cars, is um, first question out of the consumer's mouth is, what's your price? And the salespeople aren't equipped to handle that question very well. It's it's because you're going to have to give them a price. Now, even though the consumer thinks that price is very important to them, we all know that on the list of top 10 things, price is usually between six and eight. It's actually, you know, color, reputation, um, you know, reviews, all of that stuff is much more important to the consumer. But in the initial, in the very beginning, they want to know price. So as a dealer, if you're not putting price on there, you're not transparent. And I think that level of trust that you're going to then try and build it's starting from down here versus up here. So uh, I think not advertising price is a, uh, is a real problem. Um, for, 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 for me, for me on that, Josh, I, I just feel like I would advertise like the policy more, right? Well, yeah. no, I get what you're saying, but the problem is the consumer doesn't trust you from the get go. If they're a repeat consumer, they know, but if you're trying to capture a new consumer, they don't trust you no matter what you're saying. So if you're saying, Hey, I'm not advertising price, but I'm a really good guy. Come down and see me. They're going, yeah, okay, buddy. You know what I mean? It's really hard to overcome that trust issue that, you know, as a dealership world, we've spent three generations, you know, ruining our, our trust ability. And, you know, so we, we've earned every bit of it, but we're trying to get it back slowly but surely. And I think by immediately starting off that relationship with um, a lack of transparency, just just think about, you know, like getting into a dating relationship. If on a first date, you're like, I'm not going to tell you my first name or give you my phone number, um, but I'm a really good guy. So let's go ahead and let's go out to dinner. And I think you're really going to enjoy me. That person that you're trying to date is going to go, mm, I'm not so sure about that, pal. Yeah, so you can't see my Facebook profile. You yeah, can't see my yeah. Twitter. None of that stuff. But I'm just, you got to trust me. I'm a good dude. Um, so it's just one of those where I think you're immediately starting off the relationship with some headwind that there's not necessary. I don't think it's necessary to do that. I think you can still advertise price. It doesn't have to be the best price. It doesn't have to be the lowest price. You don't have to be in that stuff, but you have to have some price out there. I, I truly believe. And then also um, have a high level of advertising, whether it's paid or, or organic, I don't care, or both probably, where you're highlighting all your salespeople, you're highlighting, you know, hey, this is John, this is what he does for fun, he's on a mountain bike, some cool B-roll in the videos. I just think there's a ton you can do. So from that aspect, I agree a thousand percent. I think most dealerships do not do a good job 
um, introducing the humans that are going to help that consumer because you know, when you humanize things, it just makes it easier to do business. And now that level of trust goes up. They're like, oh, Josh mountain bikes. God, I love mountain biking. Or, you know, Josh drives Jeeps or, you know, whatever that is. And now all of a sudden you're connecting with people just like building rapport, like you would do on the lot. You're doing it, you know, socially, virtually. And Johnny O, I don't think anyone's going to argue with you on as far as individuality and relationship uh, selling and, uh, you know, I love it. And I would love to see a day where every salesperson has their own individualized. And I've talked about this before, ad budget to do what you're talking about, because I think that can happen more, uh, you know, on a repeat referral and uh, just a personal advertising segment to where you don't talk about price as much, or you're able to get around that better. However, for a dealership to capture the most amount of leads to provide to the salespeople, uh, its statistics are are mine are are just so far uh, superior to posting price uh, that uh, unless you're just talking about you know you post MSRP etc. I mean there's there's all kinds of different ways of doing it, but no one's going to argue as far as uh, relationship selling. I, I think at the end of the day is you know just going to the it was a great analogy there with like dating and stuff. You know trust isn't given; it's earned. Right. So I, I think a philosophy or uh, a stance like something that maybe I'm suggesting wouldn't um, maybe be the most profitable in its initial stages. But I think if you advertise the policy that, you know, you will match or be any price and that there's no deal left on the table and that if you come into our store, you will not be left unsatisfied. What's the price? Well, there's a million different avenues to advertise price. The price is better than any comparable option that you could ever derive from any internet source. And you absolutely live and die by that philosophy, whether it's taking a loss, whether it's doing whatever you have to do to, to earn that trust from that mantra or that, that strategy. I, I think it could be possible. I, you know, at the end of the day, I think if reputation is, is absolutely massive. Uh, I think people respect that. If you want to play an online game and start quoting prices all over the place and you take the stance that, hey, listen, we'll let you, we'll let these other places that are online stores do all that hard work. We're going to take the, the negotiation side out of it. You just come forth to us and get the best customer experience and we're going to live by our stance that you will leave with the best. But Johnny, o, Johnny, o, how many, how many salespeople though, do you think that would be able to handle it as well as you could? <laughs> well, I, th I think there's some, uh, definitely some uh, value to that statement. You need some pretty strong uh, sales personality kind of probably take that point. I think with the right training, the right sales staff. And I think even more importantly, probably then the sales staff comes the onus on uh, your, your used car department, what you're buying these cars for, how you're sourcing them, how, because obviously to kind of take a stance like that, you better have some pretty strong people. It might be easier now because there's, there's definitely no used cars uh, in the marketplace to go buy and, and yeah. unless you want to overpay them. But uh, really, if you want to, uh, and maybe Josh and, and, and I want to let Desi comment too, because she's been, uh, I know she's been uh, developing some opinions based off of this conversation that I want to hear. However, uh, so there's no used if car you're, if you're if you're if you're looking to buy a car and you've got it priced out with broom car gurus everything but then so there's all different avenues you can sit there you can shop online all day you want if you're kind of you know a go-getter and a forward person you enjoy you see this you see it's someone showcased on 
a particular social media avenue. Maybe it's TikTok, whatever. You're like, this guy is pretty kind of out there. He's trending. He's a cool guy, like whatever. And, and just in the back of your mind, you're like, well, I don't know what the price of the car is. I know what this price is. I know what that price is. Don't you think curiosity would draw you in the store? Isn't that the whole idea? No, I, I, I think. Well, well hold on, Josh, because you're going to yeah. give a better answer to me. But I think that still I go back to you're, you're one in a million. You, you are as a world famous car salesman, right? And there might be one person or two people per dealership that could do what you're talking about effectively. And, and yeah, it is the, uh, the uh, job of managers across the nation to train their people and to teach them the, the uh, relation, relational uh, style of, of selling that you're talking about. However, uh, to, to do that, um, think about how many people you've met that you really hold in high regard, like someone that you would go to work with no matter where they ever went, whatever car dealership they ever went, because you think that person would be able to do exactly what you're talking about. And you'd be willing to uh, basically deal with, like you said, at the expense of no traffic until, until we got the rest of the car dealers across uh, North America to do this, you'd be willing to, to get everyone trained up to do that thing. I mean, just, and then go ahead, Josh, and then finally get, and then let Desi say something, will you Josh? I think if it's a hyper unique car, you're okay, right? I mean, if it's the one, only one in six states, don't advertise the price. Who cares? They're looking for that car. They're going to find that car, and the price is what it is. But for the other 99% of the cars out there, you're not even going to get a click if there's you know 42 Toyota Camrys in the market, and you're the only one who's not priced. They're going to look at the other 41. Um, the other thing is when I you know teach selling and that sort of thing. One of the big things I talk about is I want to, I, I, you know, you know, my name of my company is closing big, obviously, but ideally I don't want to have to close ever. If I can overcome my customer's objections before the customer even gives me the objection, then I never have to close. So, but if I'm creating objections in the very beginning, like from the very jump street, um, it's just going to be a harder transaction for most salespeople. Some salespeople are extremely talented and, you know, myself, Josh, Desi, John, we probably would have no problems with that. Um, although you're going to lack some just engagement because the consumers are probably not even going to click on the car, but you know, we could probably handle that phone call or that, you know, face to face or that email or whatever, but most salespeople can't. So I don't think it would be a good idea to introduce an objection at, you know, 0.01 seconds into, uh, into our interaction with the customer. I, I'm a big believer if the, if the customer is going to have a question, I'd rather have the answer out there from the very beginning, if they're going to have an objection, I'd rather overcome that objection just in my presentation so that when it does come up, it's just, hey, I'm ready to do business. What, what do you I, think, what Desi? I Hold on, Johnny. I'll let, let Desi uh, chime in a little bit here. <laughs> so I find it funny that we went from like this big picture, what about room compared to <laughs> you know what's going on down to like, how are we going to price our used cars online, which I've <laughs> always You're Catching found. on to the secrets interesting but um i just don't think that we should ever be thinking about this as one or the other or something replacing this because you have to figure out what the customer needs in order to sell them a car because i used to come in all hot like oh my gosh we're gonna have so much fun and people are like i don't want to have fun hurry up tell me what this is let's go and i was like oh okay now we're gonna do this so you know there's there's more than one way to skin a used car, I guess, is my point. Skin a cat. Um, Just say it, Desi. There's one more than one way to skin a cat. No, no. I think cats are um, 
tend to come up in this in this group, <laughs> and we have a new kitten. I'm about to show you. A and I love cats. So, but I do want to, you know, I want to bring about the point that okay, we were talking big, and we come down into this, you know, smaller little bubble. But we, it things will shift. They will. I look at um, this weekend. We went to an actual mall and went clothes shopping. Okay, so we got the kids, gave them 50 bucks. Here we're gonna go, just mostly for something to do. But we had, we're like the 12 year old boy is growing out of stuff. Like he he needed new shoes. He like bad, um, and we can buy it online. But we've been doing that now for months, and it became something to do. So, however. Syra came home and placed an order for a couple of different sweatshirts that she wasn't able to find at the mall. You know, so there, it, it can't be just one thing. And our kids, even us, we're getting even more used to it too, but our kids are going to be so used to, be able to being able to just click and buy and get it. And if they don't like it, they send it back. And if they just know that that's an option, that's fine. Keep it coming. And, um, you know, I, I do think if I could say, hey, you know, go find somebody that you like, go find somebody that you trust, or here's somebody that I've done the same thing with that I trust, and here you go. But just across the board, that, that'll be a foreign concept, I think, as we move forward, unless we make it a point to talk about it and keep it in part of the, the whole, you know, transaction. And I think, too, John, you know, maybe it's your last. Maybe it's your unassuming Canadian accent that, that can get you through the door. I don't, I don't know what it is. Um, and then I had one other thing. Oh, here's my story about this. So just talking about statistics and different ways to do it. We also went to kind of a, a family reunion thing. Um, and Dustin's uncle is like, oh, my God, I love you. I see you selling cars. I miss that. I miss watching your you know, tutorial or, you know, like all the things that you do with your customers. And he's like, that, that's awesome. And I would never go anywhere else. And I hope that I get to buy a car from you today and enrolls his son in a car that was not bought from me very recently. So as much as he loved me and sung all my praises, here comes his kid in the new Mazda, you know, and I didn't even get a chance. So it, it's the, I, and I did the things. If you hashtag gateway to adventure, there's there's enough grassroots right there trying to show each other's personalities and, and gather that that customer. And what I and about it network it girl. He didn't he obviously didn't ever hear of network it girl. Network it girl's gonna work for me. It's not it, you know, that's but I wanted to give you the shout out because it taught, that is each individual's true personality, you know. It's just all honed into one, and you do a great job about, you know, reminding people to do it and being in support of it. So that's another thing is that a lot of it's up to the individual, but to be supported um, by the entire team, you know. Yeah, I would say um, at, at your dealership, Desi, um, or maybe I should say your, your previous dealership, I don't know. But uh, I, at your dealership, I would say that uh, it was pretty strong in comparison when you talk about doing what Johnny O is talking about as far as, and you just kind of touched on it as far as the uniqueness of, of each person and their personalities and selling in a transact, in a, in a relational uh, way version versus just a transactional way. 
I just think that there has to be all of it and you have to figure out what the customer wants and you think that, you know, and you don't, um, you know, but I, I don't think that that should go away. I think that there, we just need to think about the spectrum. Of yeah. How to buy we want it. every customer, right? We want to, we want yeah. every customer. And I think so, that, um, go ahead, Johnny. So I, I love respect and love every opinion, but I'm, I'm going to take a different stance on this. But I love it. I, I love I, your I stance, known, by the way. <laughs> I was known as a Craigslist guy. People in my early days, you know, I used to talk about going home and making Craigslist ads for hours and so forth. And actually Craigslist implemented a rule. And that was basically when I phased out of Craigslist, mainly because I had enough clientele and referrals. And I, I just was big enough that I didn't need to make ads. I didn't, I got to the point where I didn't want to deal with strangers. Actually, late in my career, I very suddenly dealt with walk-ins, very suddenly dealt with people I didn't know. I don't want to say I avoided it, but typically I did just because I only had so much time in a day to deal with people. And, and the, my enjoyment in car sales was dealing with people I had relationships with and, and kind of just uh, got, got away from the whole uh, ads and so forth. But the, probably the route to my success in Craigslist was not advertising price. It's putting the bait. People would just be like calling like crazy because the curiosity just killed them. They'd see this car. I don't think people would bypass you because the price isn't listed. That just gets them to call you. You know, I'd leave that out. And then actually Craigslist implemented a rule where you have to advertise price, probably because of guys like me, right? And, um, you know, it's just <laughs> that, that curiosity just absolutely like eats away at people. They're like, like, you know, some people, you're right. You might lose them. They might be like, but when you have all of a sudden this uh, landscape of online presence where you look at a, 10 different cars and you can see price and then all of a sudden there's one that's not a price, you just can't pull the trigger and buy that car until you know, you're just like, oh, like it eats at you. You want to know, they're like, well, you know, everyone wants to get the best deal. So I, I think that I, I always think like, you know, to, to go against the grain and to find a different avenue, you know, to combat. I think all dealerships are in jeopardy a little bit of this strong online presence, just like um, how Amazon's taking over, you know, grocery stores and, and retail and stuff. So I, I, I do believe if, if there is a movement, you know, support salespeople and human experience, don't list price and, and dealerships opted out united and stop listing prices online. I think it would start trouncing these people like zoom and, and car gurus. I think it would call a disruption in the market away. Now they're the disruptors. Now the dealerships are the disruptors to me. I, I don't know. I, I think it's, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm set in stone on the idea, but I, I think that's probably the, the direction I would go personally. But Before I really loud on the, the playback to you guys, where I'm at, the overhead music, or are you guys hearing it at all? A little bit. It's not, it's not bad though. Well, that's good. Hopefully they don't mess with the uh, the uh, playback on this or whatever. But um, Josh, can you uh, maybe sum it up for us, and then we're going to go to uh, the next uh, segment, and uh, it's all about Las Vegas, but. Or as Desi's finally finding out, it may not be all about Las Vegas. But Josh, why don't you wrap yeah. up for us on the uh, on the current topic? So I think you know Desi's right. You want to do things the way the customer wants to do them. So you know one thing I preach to my dealers and salespeople is your process does need to be fluid. You can't do it the way 
that you want to do it. That day has come and gone for the dealerships. Um, with used car pricing, unfortunately, it is kind of binary. You either have a price or you don't have a price. There's no in between. Um, but you know, if if you're able to do it and have a level of success, then you know, then do it. You know, do what works for you and your consumers. You know, if it worked for Johnny, then it worked for Johnny. I think the vast majority of the salespeople out there, it's not going to work for it just because. <laughs> pick up the phone. First question is what's your, what's the car cost? So then immediately you're like, Oh, it's you're either making something up or you're saying what the car should have been priced at anyway, or you're going to talk to the manager immediately. So, you know, but, um, but every dealership's a little unique. I think a, a clearly defined process, something that people can follow, um, really will help, uh, uh, make up for any mediocrity or lack of training or inexperience or, or whatever in the car business. I always use Boise State football as an example. You know, their quarterbacks throw for like 10,000 yards every year, uh, but nobody gets drafted into the NFL. And it's, it's not because they're an incredible quarterback why they're throwing 10,000 yards. It's because they have a great process and a great system that compensates for some of that, uh, you know, inadequacy. So um, I think if you have a, good, have a good process and you work your process, whatever your process is, I think that's the best way to do it. And then, um, you know, don't alienate your customers. Don't make your customers do things your way. If they want to do it online, do it online. If they want to have their trade appraised over the phone, we're going to appraise the trade over the phone. If they want to, you know, come in, then we're going to let them come in. But, you know, however that is, we've got our preferred way of doing it. We're going to try and steer them down that path. But at the end of the day, we're, we're not going to tell a customer, no, I'm not going to do it your way. Yeah, well said as far as uh, we, we definitely uh, overall don't want to turn any customer away and uh, that being said uh, no one's going to argue as far as building relationships with customers so uh, speaking of customers uh, I've been noticing a lot of them uh, as I said earlier on the strip and in the casino and uh, it seems like the world uh, wants to uh, get going a little bit here in Las Vegas anyways and uh, Desi you said you've been out and about a little bit and Josh, you were on some kind of uh, road trip here, uh, yeah, seemed in Portland, and you and you had ago. hinted you had hinted about uh, giving us some inside info, and then today was know, supposed to be the day. I didn't want to bring it up. Okay, so today's the day. It was, no, today was supposed to be the day. Okay, so I got delayed two you, weeks. Where what what's going on? Where have you been? And what is you know? Just give us a little nibble of something. Um, okay. So I was in Houston a couple weeks ago, um, visiting a couple dealers. And then I was in Portland recently. That was a personal trip. My, uh, my mom passed away in February and she had a, uh, um, a storage unit I had to clean out. So that was a tough trip. Um, and I rent Desi, I rented a minivan just for let you know. I, and I, I drove a minivan, I drove a minivan all the way back. No, there wasn't any room for me to sleep in it, unfortunately. So I, uh, I drove it back from Portland um, I made it in a day and a half. So I was, I was flying. Um, um, so a hint, what hint can I give? Um, I don't know. I'm just messing with you. You don't have to give a hint. Uh, we just, we were wondering all this, uh, travel, yeah. you know, yeah. and then you'd, you'd thrown a bomb on us. Uh, yeah, it was, so, so I, I, something was supposed to happen. I was supposed to close the deal on the 15th. Um, it's getting pushed back to the 30th. So um, the details of this and what it is, I can't quite say yet. Um, I actually have an NDA, so I'm really not supposed to say. Um, but uh, but it's something that's that I'm pretty excited about, uh, and, and I think will be kind of some big news. And Johnny O, what are you noticing? Um, I, and if you have an NDA too, then you this is going to be you know like super short. I mean, what are you noticing 
with Labella and uh, you know everything you know up there in your neck of the woods there up in northern Canada. I'm sorry, up north in Canada, Steveston Village. Uh, what's going on up there, man? You know, I think there's a lot of compassion for for businesses, small businesses. Um, I think p- people are united and kind of wanting to to uh, do their part in uh, supporting you know businesses as much as possible. I think there's also the the cautionary side where you know people are, are trying to do it in the, in the safest way possible, right? So um, the Medispa Labella is taking the stance that we only take a you know maximum two to three customers a day and you know have ample time in between and be full sanitary and, and you know everything we possibly can to to keep everyone as safe as possible and you know have uh, screening and um, requirements of, of mass in the facility and kind of one person in and out as much as possible and uh, yeah just trying to build comfort to to give people the avenue to, to, to support uh, you know uh, a business like us, but also in the realms of uh, keeping themselves safe. So I, you know, it's uh, kind of just figuring out that the new normal, right? But uh, it's uh, time will tell. And uh, so far, uh, it's been, uh, uh, you know, as, as good as could be expected for sure. And when people say the new normal, I mean, how many small businesses, for crying out loud, are shutting down at the expense of? of all this. And, and, you know, when I, when I see thousands, I mean, millions at this point of people in the streets and, uh, you know, that this is basically the incubation period, uh, is somewhat over and the stats that are being reported are, have also been uh, argued as illegitimate. Uh, what do you guys think about all that Desi? <laughs> so, I read something recently that said um, how Swedish communities have been handling it a little bit differently where they wanted their peak to go high and quick so that because the numbers of how many people are going to change it or get it are not going to change. It's just going to be longer and longer and longer. So if that's the case, and I'm, I'm not a statistician and I don't, not even Swedish, but if, if, um, you know, that's the case, then why I, we need to stop pushing it out. We have to stop pushing it out and let people get it and let, and I know that that's a tough stance to take, but we, the, the high number of cases is still pretty relatively low in death. And I'm not taking away from anybody that has lost their life and lost somebody too. Yeah, it's it's terrible. It's awful. But we we did what we were supposed to do. We're flattening the curve. We're not we're not in any place with a vaccine. We're not in any place of figuring out like, oh hey, here's how you absolutely don't get it. You know, there's so I think it's important for people's sanity. I think it's important for our economy to get back and, and start doing it at a at a quicker rate. Um, I do, I have to tell you, I do enjoy the, the cleanliness of everything now. I mean, I, I enjoy the fact that we're wiping down our grocery carts and, you know, trying to give each other some distance and some space. And things are kind of at a little slower pace. 
you know, like I said, it's the mall. Um, some, it's really odd. Some stores are requiring masks and, and like clicker counting how many people can go in the store. And other ones, it's just kind of free for all. Um, but I think in general, people were looking around and really trying to be conscious of what they're doing. You know, we're not have complete disregard for somebody's, you know, life and safety. But um, I, I, for me, that that's my opinion on it. But stay safe. Do take precautions. Let's see what happens. There, if there's another spike and something happens, or I don't make it on a call because I don't feel good, like. I, I don't want to eat crow, but I'm, I'm just hoping that this all um, can go back. Josh, you're in a county. You're the only one that's living somewhere that isn't completely opened up, right? Is that why you need to do Escape to Vegas? <laughs> well, and I was going to ask, too, like as far as the inflation that's going to go along with this, you know, the businesses that survive, uh, I don't know if people are prepared with how – just like when you raise minimum wage, uh, for example, it's like people want to raise minimum wage, but they're not always ready for the inflation that goes along with it. And, uh, you know, with unemployment numbers are actually already coming back because people are realizing that uh, the government's not going to support them forever. Right. And so uh, now with all these businesses, the small ma and pa stores, uh, particularly uh, going out of business, and monopolies only monopolizing, uh, you know, people, are they, are they really prepared for uh, what's going to happen with inflation? I mean, even going to Starbucks, for example, I mean, pretty soon we're going to have $8 coffees. Um, you know, we already pay $5 now. And, um, you know, as far as getting out of town, for me, I, I go to Vegas a couple times a year. And so I just decided that I needed to, because uh, I had already canceled several trips over the last couple of months. And, uh, you know, like, uh, as you know, I work every day and um, I owe it to my family uh, also to uh, get them out and about in the world. And plus, because, yeah, somewhat, I, I do take a stand sometimes on, um, you know, the mumbo jumbo. I mean, I, I try to read through all of it and, and find uh, a way to participate. Uh, you know, and somewhat this is a way to participate is to get out there and, and, uh, you know, we can't live in fear. Uh, you know, if we live in fear with, you know, cats running around, you know, I mean, we got house cats. I mean, they used to be jungle cats now they're house cats and they're in every screen, but you know, the, uh, the thing is, is if we live in fear, we know, uh, what that is going to be like. And I just choose not to, to live in fear. I think uh, Pumpkin's taking the stance to agree with me on everything in this episode. So in case you, in case you were wondering, in case you were wondering where Pumpkin's at on all of this, she came in to reassure me. She's she's uh, in agreement. Pumpkin's with, me. with you, man. Yeah. Did that? Did I answer your question? By the way, Desi. Sort of, but I do want to talk about the inflation thing. You know, I've I've um, got some good friends that. I manage their salon and spa um, and they're reopening and we talked about the cost of what it's going to be to provide the same service and only have half capacity and how they are going to stand out and stay in business for the people that are reopening 
and there's some still people being cautious and staying away. So I think there's going to be a surge and then there's going to be an adjustment. And I think that the, the businesses that stay competitive and lower for as long as possible are probably going to have some advantage. Um, but I also think, just like I said, we just, you know, to, to be able to do something and have an experience, we went out and spent money. And so um, when it's time for me to get my hair done, which is soon on, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to pay them and I'm going to tip well. And I think that as many people that can will, you know, unfortunately there's some people out there trying to live on a stimulus check of $1,200, you know, months ago, I, I don't fall in that category and I'm grateful. You know, I don't, I don't know what it's going to look like in that scenario. Maybe they forego some of the so-called luxuries and uh, Starbucks is a luxury. So I don't, I don't know. I'm curious to see how it goes. And for time's sake, just to kind of tie in, uh, you know, the TikTok talk to this, just because it all is somewhat relative to, um, you know, and I'm sitting here in a, in a place to, to bet on sports, but so it, I think it all kind of ties together. But, um, you know, did you guys see the, um, first of all, with, with uh, Twitter, they purged, um, I like that word purge today, I guess, the uh, second time I use it, but uh, they, they got rid of 170,000 accounts. Um, and then with Facebook, did you guys see that they had an issue because, uh, well, they had a couple of different issues, uh, but, but one was their stance on uh, speech online, uh, you know, one of their people speaking out publicly. So Silicon Valley has always been known as a place to have higher level of thinking and that it's okay for, uh, you know, the Google employee to question, um, you know, Google, as long as they do it internally, but once you do it publicly, then, you know, or similar to like a sports team where it's okay to have the internal struggles, but once you start doing it publicly, you're, you're not with the team, you know, and I think that's kind of the message. Did you guys see any of that stuff going on? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I think you just don't find it as. And I think it all ties together to me. So I don't know. It's all. Uh, I think like Facebook's in a you know they're in a tough spot. Obviously, Twitter recently has clamped down on some presidential texts and put them in uh, you know a bit of a, a crossfire. You know, Facebook is trying to differentiate themselves a little bit, but it's a tough spot, right? People are going, well, we don't want fake stuff being posted, but then you are infringing on free speech at that point. And I mean, who knows what fake is anymore? That's subjective, I guess, sometimes, you know, so, you know, Facebook kind of took that stance of, Hey, you know, we're not going to regulate anything, which is probably the right stance, like it or don't like it. It probably is the right stance. And, you know, God forbid people do their own research rather than thinking, you know, a meme was written on a rock and brought down from the mountain. Um, but you know, people would rather do that. So, you know, I, I personally think Facebook took the right response. I think when, uh, right stance, I think when, uh, when, you know, these social media companies start trying to regulate speech, then they're no longer a social media company. Right. And they probably need some further regulations at that point within just muddies the water and makes it harder. For them. Um, you know, so, but interesting times for sure. And as we're in a more polarized, uh, environment than 
probably we ever have been. Um, you know, it, it becomes easier and easier to see one side or the other is right or wrong. All right. Well, for time's sake, let's go to weekly motivation. Um, I didn't realize we were, I'm using my cell phone today, so I can't see what time it is on there to try and um, manipulate the conversation. So, um, <laughs> Desi, give us um, weekly motivation. I forgot to find a weekly motivation, so um, <laughs> come back to me, or I'm, or I'll wing it. Johnny O, Johnny O, give us the weekly motivation, man. You, you've been um, taking your hardline stance, which I love. This whole. And now you got pumpkin in on it. So give us, you know, give us some weekly motivation. You know, I, I, I think I've always been the type of guy to go against the grain, right? Like uh, continuously. And, you know, I think there'll be different perspectives. Well, whether, you know, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? But I've always been a pretty uh, unique person. And typically it's, it, you know, it probably stems from, you know, as, as simple things as in high school, I think I was the only guy in the school that had hair down to his shoulders, right? Like, I've always kind of been a different guy um, is what it is. You know, I, I my uh, good friend was over doing some construction work for my mom and his uncle came over to, to do something or, or something along that lines. And, and he, he goes, oh, yeah, that's Jonathan, the son from the, the car video. And the first thing he he said, he was like, oh, yeah, like the strut or whatever. And my mom's like, yeah, he's always been like that, you know. And I've always kind of tried to be my own person. So um, I, I think at the end of the day, individuality, right? Just, uh, you know, try to separate yourself and, and, and be your own person and, and not kind of give in to the, uh, the you know, to uh, conform to, to others. Um, you know, I'm not by the by no means do I swear by any of my opinions. I, I, I can stand by them and, and reflect and, and offer them. Uh, but I never, ever pretend to be any expert. Right. But, uh, you know, I, I think when, when you're being dominated to take a different approach and to separate yourself as much as possible to avoid just being swallowed by the tide is, is definitely an avenue that I, I think there's some value in looking at, you know, um, I, I think if you get into the game uh, of, like I say, like online pricing and approvals and, and that, I think, you know, we had the talk earlier about AI and versus humanity. And, and I think the more you conform yourself to this AI, and this, you know, they, they talk about generations and, you know, how it affects, you know, kids these days. They don't even talk on the phones or communication skills are struggling. It's via text, like just to get one of the, uh, someone in a younger generation to make a phone call. So, you know, I, I just think, you know, sometimes um, to combat the takeover of, of AI, maybe it is time for a, a stance or uh, to unite in, in means that promote human interaction and to, uh, you know, attack uh the forward progression of, of automization and AI and, and onlineness uh, in uh, human human kind of uh, united sense. I, I don't know, but yeah, be a different, be your own person. Good, good stuff. No one can argue with that. That's for sure. Josh, weekly motivation. Yeah. So I don't know who said this. I suppose you could probably Google it and attribute it to somebody, but if you keep doing what you've always done, you will keep getting what you've always got. And I think that's partly true, right? 
Um, you know, if you keep eating like crap, you're going to keep gaining weight, you know, that sort of thing. So, you know, it's one of those, if you want a change, you've got to be the change and make the change and be consistent with the change and that sort of thing. And that's, it's one of those things it's, you know, I, I use this phrase all the time, but it's, uh, it's simple, but not easy. And, um, you know, so if you want to be that change, if you want to see that change, you know, you've, you've got to do it and you've got to recognize it, come up with a plan and do it. Um, but it applies a little differently with the car business, right? If you keep doing what you've always done, you're not going to keep getting what you always got. You're actually going to get less than what you've always got. So you've got to be adapting, you know, from a business standpoint. And I think that applies to business probably more so than personal, but you know, you're going to have to adapt with the times. And sometimes that means, you know, rather than just a blanket, this is how we do business. You know, like we were talking about earlier with Desi and and John is, you know, maybe we've got a a way to do business for this segment, a way to do business for this segment and way to do business for this segment. Um, And at the end of the day, like I said, we have our preferred way of doing it for sure. Um, and we probably have a way that we think is better for customers and better for the dealership, that sort of thing. But if you don't adapt and change, you're going to have, you know, some issues and, and that's going to be, uh, you know, and that's going to be really frustrating for you, your business personally and professionally and that sort of thing. So you need to, uh, figure out where that kind of curve is. And sometimes that means, you know, you're going to fail, right? Well, there's things in the car business that I've done that have been a failure, some sort of cutting edge thing, or, you know, maybe you go out on a limb and you go, okay, I'm going to start a appointment setting BDC and get away from my internet department or, you know, whatever it is. And it's, and it's a failure. Um, and, uh, and that's okay. You've got to be willing to put yourself in that position of failure in order to find that level of success. But, but it, it takes, you know, closely monitoring everything, um, you know, internally from a business standpoint and externally from a consumer standpoint and going, okay, the consumers want this. If I'm not there to provide what the consumer wants, they're going to find it somewhere. There's, there's 16,000 new car dealerships in the United States. So if you're not going to do it, I promise you somebody else will do it. And the goal is we want to be Netflix. We don't want to be Blockbuster. And if you're not careful, especially this day and age, it's easy to become Blockbuster. I like the first two and combining them together, you know, be yourself, but also uh, sometimes by being yourself, that means that uh, you got to change, right? And uh, change by being yourself. That's really, really uh, what it comes down to. But Desi, hopefully you've uh, had enough time. Was that, were you getting advice on what weekly motivation you were going to cover or what? Oh, so sorry. I thought it was on mute. My daughter (laughs) is going to... My daughter is going to work, so she got up this morning. She was up before I was doing her workout, making her lunch. Nice. She goes to walk the dog at 7 o'clock in the morning in, in Clackamas. Then she heads to build a deck until about 4 o'clock this afternoon. Then she'll go walk another dog tonight, and then she gets home around 7 or so. And uh, so she keeps me motivated because I don't want to feel like – a slacker next to the 17 year old, like, what would that make me look like? Um, but I, so I don't have anything specific, but I do want to talk about having a culture about how you're going to do business is different than having processes. So, you know, if you keep the culture, your culture can be where you come from, a place of love, a, compa- a place of compassion. Um, and then just make sure that the processes are there. So, Boy, those are really good if you combine them all together. Uh, 
and uh, I'll just uh, finish it up by my weekly books. Um, I don't have them with me. I do have one upstairs called Streams of Income. And then um, the last week was Click and Grow Wit, Click and Grow Rich, which I showed last week. So this week I'm still reading in Vegas, and now I'm going to go and send the daily reports um, to the dealership and stuff. So I'm still working. I just get up really, really early before the family gets up. And uh, then the people ask why I'm texting them and emailing them like at 4 a.m. and 5 a.m. and stuff. So, um, But uh, thank you so much uh, again uh, for coming on this week. And uh, I think this is actually a really, really good uh, conversation that we had this morning. And uh, I love it when uh, that they that the opinions – are different. I think the best ones are when the opinions are, man, we should have everybody hold up their cats and I should go stand like next to a tiger here. I bet I could find one, but, uh, Oh, where's pumpkin Johnny? Oh, we got two out of the three. The oh, pumpkin can't. split. <laughs> no. Pumpkins with Josh. She looked at me funny. <laughs> and just, she, ran, she ran away. Right. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, well, we are a lover of animals and of mankind and uh, y'all have a great week. Bye, Josh. Thanks, guys. Bye, guys.